I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming. And so it happens. And, And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hands you over to the officer. And the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Please be seated. (coughs) Let's go to our God in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father. We ask that you would bless now the preaching of your word, that it would be heard clearly, and Lord, that it would change our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would take these unexpected truths in Scripture and make them sweet to us and make them powerful as we hear them. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What did Jesus come to do? What was his purpose as he came to earth? The Son of God taking on flesh, becoming man. Why did he do that? What was his purpose? Well, imagine someone asked you that. Maybe you're having a conversation with someone out in the parking lot as you're, you're coming in to worship. Uh, what would be your answer? I think there are many good answers that you could throw out there. Um, answers that we hear in scripture and that we we now think of around this time that we call advent preparing uh, for that great celebration of the incarnation of our lord here's a few answers why did jesus come to earth well he came to save his people from their sins right he came to bring peace and goodwill to men that's that great uh, christmas card answer you know and it's also in the scriptures themselves jesus came to bring peace he came to make the Father known to us. And so we could find these comforting answers. But in our text today, Jesus answers this question, and what he says does not sound like these common Christmas responses. Because our text gives us an answer that's uncomfortable, it's unexpected, and it's unsettling. What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to cause a crisis. Jesus came to shake up reality as we know it so that that we see our critical situation before God. That's the answer we see in our text. 
And I want us to see this by looking at three critical consequences of his, his coming. First, um, and, and I'm going to give these to you in just you know, quick one-word answers. For those of you who take notes and, and track your way through uh, our, our progress of the passage, here are the three words you can, you can use as signposts. First, fire. Second, division. Third, decision. Fire, division, and decision. So, so first, Jesus came to cast fire upon the earth. Verse 49, he says this, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. It's an unexpected answer. It's not, uh, not what we normally hear around Advent season. And yet we've heard of this fire before. We heard of it in our call to worship this morning, the fire of Hebrews 12. The Lord your God is an all-consuming fire. God is so holy, so set apart from every kind of evil that his judgment against man's disobedience, it burns like a wildfire. that can't be stopped, can't be reined in until it consumes every sin, every hint of rebellion. That's the fire we're talking about here. But it's also the fire of Luke 3.16. Think way back to before I was even here, when Pastor Brad uh, brought you God's word from Luke 3. And remember that John the Baptist cried out that the Messiah will do this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But listen but the chaff he will burn up with unquenchable fire. What is this fire that Jesus will cast upon the earth? It's the fire of God's judgment. Here's the idea. As Jesus looks to Jerusalem that's coming before him, he looks, he, he looks at Jerusalem, but he's also looking beyond Jerusalem to the very end of his ministry, where all that he's come to do starts to come together. And what does he see? He sees himself taking his place as the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus sees himself, just as we confessed this morning in the Nicene Creed, as taking that place. And what will he do? He'll bring that fire of God's wrath against the rebels of his kingdom. He'll separate the wheat from the chaff. Now, friends, I ask you, do you have a place for this Messiah? Do you have a place in your theology for the Jesus who will one day judge the world with the fire of God's justice? Or as you're hearing this, are you starting to look around? How, how can I get out of this room? This is a little unsettling. Um, this is, this is the real Jesus. This is the Jesus of the scriptures. And we, we have to, to come to grips with that, even though it, it's a little uncomfortable. It's unsettling. Because it's only when we acknowledge the judgment that Christ is going to bring that we're able to catch a glimpse of the judgment that he saves sinners from. And we get a glimpse of that salvation, that good news, in verse 50. 
Look at what Jesus goes on to say. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. What is he talking about? Jesus, you were already baptized in the Jordan River. God, you know, uh, poured out his spirit down upon his Messiah, just as, as John the Baptist poured out water upon him. Jesus was already baptized. So what could be this baptism that is coming? Jesus looks ahead to that crisis of judgment. And as he looks along the way, he sees another crisis. A crisis that distresses him greatly. A crisis that shakes him to his core. It's a crisis that he calls a baptism because it's like an overwhelming flood that is going to be poured out down upon him. It's the crisis of the cross. Because on the cross, God's fiery wrath was poured out in full upon Jesus. On the cross, the very fires of hell rained down upon Jesus as he suffered for sinners. He took that wrath. He took that judgment so that now the fire that comes to us is not a fire that overwhelms or consumes, but a fire that purifies and cleanses us. Think about where we see a picture of that. It's in Acts chapter 2. When God pours out the Holy Spirit upon his, his church, and what is, what, are the, what is the Holy Spirit described as? What is the symbol that we see? Tongues of fire coming down upon believers. But that fire does not overwhelm. That fire blesses. It refines. It purifies. So that's why Jesus goes to the cross. First comes Christ's own crisis on the cross. But make no mistake about it. Those who reject this salvation found in Jesus will face that crisis of judgment on the final day when the judge of the earth calls down fire. And that's why Jesus takes us to a second crisis. We've heard of the fire he brings, but he also brings division. Jesus came to bring division between men. Verse 51, do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth? What's our response to that? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, of course, that's what, that's what was prophesied about you. That's what, you, you. Aren't you the prince of peace? He says, no, I tell you, but rather division. Now imagine putting these words on your 2020 Christmas card. <laughs> Not peace, but division. No. These are shocking words. And we have to say, now, now, tell me honestly, Jesus, are you the Prince of Peace? Are you the one who brings peace? And yes, he is. He is the great Savior who brings peace to earth. But here we see the flip side of that coin. Even as he brings peace, Jesus brings division, sharp separation. He is, in fact, the great divider of all humanity. Um, there is no name that is more uh, contentious than the name of Jesus. There is no teaching that pushes people apart like the teaching of Jesus. The name of Jesus divided people from the very beginning. Remember the prophecy of Simeon in, in Luke 2, 34. 
He said this, behold, this child, this savior, he's appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And then we see that opposition breaking out between Jesus's uh, followers and, and those closest to them. As soon as Jesus starts to call people to follow him, what does he do? He starts to drive a wedge between friends and families and countrymen. Commitment to Jesus, it it cuts like a sharp knife through the deepest relationships that you can imagine. Father against son, mother against daughter, and suddenly um, there, there is something closer in a family unit than blood. It's commitment to Jesus. And that commitment to Jesus starts to divide family relationships, just like we see in our text. Division. The name of Jesus still divides people today, doesn't it? It's the name of Jesus. It's coming to know Jesus that, uh, that causes families to disown their children, that causes countrymen to throw others into prison. Imagine you're talking to your coworkers about what you did this past Thanksgiving and, and the conversation is light and cheerful and then... You mention how thankful you are for the salvation that you have in Jesus and how he's changed your life. And suddenly the room gets a little bit more awkward. People start to go back to their work. That happens. That happens. The name of Jesus starts to divide. It separates. And of course, the name of Jesus will divide on the last day as well. On that final day of fiery judgment, Jesus will separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to drive a decisive wedge between those who have trusted him and those who have rejected him. From beginning to end, yes, Jesus brings peace, but he also brings that division. And so friends, I want you to see this, that all of human history is hanging on this one critical question. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the Messiah? And that's exactly the question that Jesus pushes it. He pushes the crowd to answer in the third crisis of his coming. Jesus came to bring fire. Yes. He came to bring division. Finally, he came to bring a decision. Jesus came to demand a decision before God. Look at verse 54. Jesus turns from his private talk with his disciples. And he challenges the... the, uh, Remember what's happening here. Jesus is talking in private with his disciples, but all along there's been this crowd, this massive crowd, Uh, that that for chapters and chapters has been following Jesus around, pressing in on him. And so you have these rings where Jesus is, is maybe having a private conversation with his disciples, but suddenly he turns and, and he addresses the larger crowd that's pressing in. And what does he say? Basically, here's the, the challenge that he lays out to them. He says, stop being indecisive. Stop wasting your time. That's the problem with the crowd. 
They are excellent bystanders. They, they love to, to, to stand by and ooh and awe at Jesus' miracles, but they're miserable followers. They won't commit to trusting Christ as Messiah. They're always looking for another miracle. Remember that? They, Give us another sign. Jesus said, okay, here's another. Well, we need more. Okay, here's another sign. Here's another miracle. Uh, why don't you give us something different? The crowd is always avoiding taking this firm stance on who Jesus is and what his ministry means for them. And from this point forward, Jesus starts to call them out on it. He starts to challenge the crowd. He says, you are excellent predictors of weather. You look out, you see, oh, there's, there's a cloud in the sky. It's dark. It's approaching. It must mean that it's going to rain. Well, very good. Well, why is it that you can see the storm approaching in the sky, but you're oblivious to the spiritual storm that's right in front of you, that there is judgment on the horizon? Why is it that, that you, you can predict the weather, but you can't predict what, what's right in front of you in the ministry of Jesus, that he brings division, that he brings judgment, but that he brings salvation if you would only turn to him? So that's what he said to the crowd. He says, you hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? What is the present time for these, for this crowd? It's the time of salvation. It's the time to recognize the Messiah. It's the time of the inbreaking of God's rule and reign on earth, his kingdom. So he says, stop waffling. Stop wasting your time. It's time to make a decision. What do you really think about me? What do you really believe? Am I the Messiah or am I just a showman? And instead, Jesus tells them to do this, to seize that critical moment that's right in front of them before it's too late. Look at verse 58. Jesus gives them this metaphor. He says, As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hands you over to the officer, and the officer puts you in prison, and then in prison you will be required to pay every last penny until you're settled. Well, here's the reality. What's Jesus getting at with this metaphor? He's getting at this. He's, the judgment is coming. It's coming, Israel. The fiery judgment is looming on the horizon, just as Jesus said it is. He's coming to bring fire. And every moment brings you closer to that day when you'll stand before the great judge. And here's the problem. You stand before that great judge on your own. You stand loaded with, with the great debt of sin. But there's hope. What is that hope? It's the hope that before you stand before that judge, you can settle your account with, with the accuser. You can have your debt paid before you make it to that judgment day. And Jesus says, take that opportunity 
Don't delay. Make a decision, Israel. And that's the challenge that Jesus sets before the crowd. That's the crisis he lays upon them. But I want us to see this, that it's the same challenge that he sets before us today. The same challenge. Because friends, the day of judgment lies ahead of us, but now, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to look to Jesus Christ and with him, by believing in him, to settle with God. There is hope because Jesus Christ is the one who was baptized with the wrath of God. He took that full weight of God's judgment upon himself on the cross so that the great debt of sin could be settled in full. Will you believe? Will you look to this Savior? And will you then approach that day of judgment, approach that fire to come with confidence that because it overwhelmed Christ on the cross, you go to a judgment day which will be a refining fire. You will go debt paid in full, ready to become sin-free in the presence of your righteous, holy Savior, in the presence of the God who is an all-consuming fire. Let's go to this God now in prayer, asking for us to be ready Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this promise that, Lord, there is hope. Even as we hear, uh, Lord, this morning of, of unusual and unexpected truths regarding Christ's coming, we pray that we would not uh, cherry pick what is in your Gospels, but that we would embrace it all and embrace it fully because we know, Lord, that in the end, it draws us closer to you, gives us greater confidence in you and what you've come to done, what you've come to do. We pray that we would uh, know Jesus, that we would be settled before you. We pray this in his great name. Amen.